Well, there was a little boy who came to worship with his family, but something caught this boy's attention. It was this list of all these names, and he was just staring at this list, and he was really enamored with the fact that these names were written and etched in metal. And the pastor noticed that the boy was just staring at this section of the wall. And so the pastor came over, and so the little boy asked the pastor, who are all these people? What are all these names here for? And the pastor said, well, these are the men and the women who died in the service. And the boy got very afraid. And he asked the pastor, which service? The 830, the 945, or the 11? So if we're going to talk about service, we got to be clear about what we mean by service because we use that word in a lot of different ways. I mean, we're in a worship service. Someone who serves in the military will call their, you know, call it their time in the service. A lot of us in our homes have an internet service provider. Or if our cars break down, well, we need to take our cars in for service. So there's a lot of different ways uh, that we use the word service. What does service mean as far as our faith goes? And what does service have to do with emotional intelligence? How, how is service a way that we can be emotionally healthy and be more in touch with God's wisdom within us? Well, I think there is something about having a good balance in our faith, especially. A good balance of we all need to receive good things in our faith. We need to receive the gifts of God and receive the gifts of this community. But the other side of that in our faith is that I think we all need to then respond by giving back by having a sense that we have something of value to give to someone else that's going to make a difference in their life. And so that there is this good balance of receiving, but then also giving, uh, giving back. I think this is uh, one of the roles that service plays in our faith. And this is what I want to look at in our scripture passages. So I invite you to open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 25. And if you're using one of our pew Bibles, you can find it on page 583. Now, in these verses, it focuses particularly on generosity. And, and there's a, uh, something contagious happens with generosity. Uh, when one person is he has a very giving spirit. That giving spirit seems to be contagious with other people so that they also want to become more giving. And a, gener and a person who's very generous inspires and is contagious with that generosity so that other people become more generous. I want to pay attention to this, especially in verses 24 and 25. Um, so let's read this aloud, and I want you um, to then just pay attention to how this cycle of 
how, ge how generosity is so contagious. Pay attention to this when we read this together. It's also on the screen in front of you. Some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. So you see how this can play out. When someone is giving, how does that person then, you know, become all the more richer? Well, because their giving has inspired other people to also be giving, and so they end up receiving back in this really healthy cycle of give and take. So in terms of our emotional intelligence, I think this uh, crosses, you know, all the emotions from positive emotions to negative emotions. Um, they all have this contagious effect. Uh, we experience this with positive emotions. When one person is joyful, maybe someone, you know, has a great laugh. And when they share that joy, when they share that laugh, it kind of infects everyone else. And there's this shared joy that just grows and grows and grows. But we also experience this in more negative emotions. If one person is just really angry, and is angry with other people, well, that can kind of vibrate and kind of get all over everybody else to where everyone else feels a little bit more angry and that kind of seems to catch fire. Or when one person is really sad, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're going through depression or something, the weight that that person is carrying, that can have a tendency to kind of uh, infect and be contagious with other people so that everybody else kind of feels the weight and the heaviness of that sadness as well. And so I think that this applies for service as well. When we serve, it is contagious. When we reach out to someone and, and we love them in some way, when we help them in some way, that is con in contagious so that the person who is being served is then inspired to then want to serve others. Now I want to bring in Jesus' teaching in our gospel today. So turn over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. And again, if you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 924. Now, one of the human tendencies that we can kind of fall into, uh, if emotions are very contagious, both the positive ones and the negative ones, is we have a tendency to only want to surround ourselves, you know, with very positive people, with very healthy people, with very joyful people. And, you know, we might want to just keep ourselves away or at arm's length from people that might be more negative, that might be kind of unhealthy, that might be very needy. And that's, I don't think that that's the vision of life that God has for us, especially when it comes to serving. So um, I think it's important, and in, in this uh, passage with Jesus and James and John, um, to have a sense that we need to encounter the suffering of others. We need to have uh, compassion and a sense of love for those who have great needs, but have the confidence and the faith that love 
is way more powerful than any of the, the needs and the suffering that others might be going through. Um, so let's, uh, let's take a look at the verses 35 through 37, uh, how this passage begins. We're introduced to James and John, and, and they're simply enamored with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is so wonderful to them, and they just, they just want to bask in his glory all the time. So they want to sit at his right, and they want to sit on, on his left. They, they, they just want to be with Jesus all the time and just spiritually receive from him. But Jesus is concerned about this because when he's calling people to follow him, he's not just calling them to receive from him all the time. He's calling them so that they can be disciples and they can serve others, that they can love others the way Jesus has loved them. So uh, in verses 38 through 39, there is this change. And Jesus challenges James and John. says, there is a cup that you will drink. There is a baptism that you must endure. And what Jesus is talking about is service. It's about reaching out in love to people who have significant needs and are suffering in a particular way. See, the cup that Jesus will drink and will suffer is his cross. And the baptism that Jesus will endure is his death and resurrection. And what Jesus uh, reveals is that love is more powerful than any evil we can face in this life. Jesus in this passage is trying to teach us that when we are following Jesus in this life of faith, it is about more than just spiritually receiving from him all the time. That Jesus wants us to be a part of this power of love that can overcome suffering and evil. Now, look at verses uh, 41 through 45. Here, Jesus uh, wants to teach us something about greatness, but not greatness as people are experiencing from the tyrants who are, who are just kind of always after greatness, and it's, it's more of an ego kind of a greatness. No, Jesus wants to take greatness in a completely different way, more in the direction of service. And to teach his disciples that we are made for greatness. We will experience great things when we serve, when we love others, when we provide for others when they have a great need. Now, I experienced this kind of uh, servant-hearted greatness a couple of weekends ago when I was at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And Jim Simic and I, uh, we went there and we joined two other guys from Littleton, Colorado. And, and we were going to tear out the old kitchen from their center where they uh, do their outreach ministry from. And then we're going to uh, build a new, bigger, better kitchen for them. And um, this, uh, the Pine Ridge Reconciliation Center is led by Pastor Kay Russell. 
And being there, I experienced her as one of the most servant-hearted people uh, that I've ever known, partly just because of the ministry that she's a part of. Uh, the Pine Ridge Reconciliation Center, they, they, they reach out to all kinds of people that, that are suffering in a variety of ways. They have homeless ministries, they have hunger ministries, they have an after-school children's program, and they have a job corps program. But it wasn't just the, the servant-heartedness of the ministry on that reservation. It was simply Pastor Kay as a person. While we were there, we arrived on a Friday, um, and Pastor Kay wanted to cook for our group, but she couldn't cook at the center because we had ripped out her kitchen on Friday when we got there. So she invited us to her very modest home. But on this Friday, her propane tank ran out of propane. So she didn't have any heat in her home. And the way that business works on the reservation is that businesses, every business is closed on the weekend. So if your propane runs out on a Friday, you don't have a chance to buy any more pro propane until Monday. So she went all weekend long without being able to heat her home, and she still invited us over for three evening meals. She had one electric heater that she was using to heat up uh, whatever room we happened to be in. On top of that, somewhere in the public water system, there was a leak. And this meant that when Pastor Kay turned a faucet on in her home, her bathroom, her kitchen, there was a very weak, tiny stream of water that would come out. And with that tiny stream of water, she cooked three meals for us and did all of our dishes after we ate. All the while when we were eating together, she was such an upbeat, positive, servant-hearted person who just thanked us and, and expressed her gratitude and joy uh, for the new kitchen that we were providing for her center that weekend. Now, Pastor Kay is a human being. Pastor Kay cannot give and give and give and give. That would be unhealthy. She needs people in her life who love her, who are positive, who are healthy. She needs a community in her life that can pour into her faith and hope and strength and grace But her love and service to so many suffering people is great. She was made by God for greatness. And God has made all of us for this kind of greatness. We have opportunities to serve in great ways. We're human too. None of us can or should give and give and give and give. We all need, you know, those good people in our life that lift us up, that pour good things into our life. We need a community like this that is positive and, and can give us strength and can strengthen our faith and grow our faith. But God has made us to serve in great ways. You know, God, every single day, 
is filling the empty with good things. And you know, it just may very well be your hands that God requires to do that. God is strengthening and healing the brokenhearted, and it may just very well be your arms that offer that embrace to give strength and healing. God continues to calm storms, calm those inner storms of anger, of pain, of addiction, and God may very well use your very words to calm those storms happening inside of people. Your faith, your love, your service can reduce or maybe even bring an end to someone else's suffering. And I think that that is pretty great. Amen.